0: Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. And now, here is Pastor Anthony Riley. Let's dive in.
1: Good morning, Sunrise. How you doing this morning? You guys can do better now. How are you doing this morning? Amen, amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Those online, welcome. My name is Anthony Wright. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunrise Church. And I'm so excited. I've been talking with people this morning and hearing the blessings and the testimonies that's uh, being expressed in their life. Someone has been healed of cancer. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap. Someone's relationship is being restored this morning. Children are getting off drugs and getting back into the homes and under the covering of God. And all of those are blessings for us because our God is faithful. Our God is amazingly gracious. He's loving. He's kind. And if you don't know him, you need to get to know him because he won't let you down, he won't leave you by yourself. He is my best friend, amen. So with that being said, let's pray and let's get into the word of God, amen. Father and God, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for giving us the opportunity, Father God, to be in your presence, Father God. As we fellowship with each other this morning, oh God, I pray uh, that we listen, Father God, to what you have for us today. Someone this morning is broken, Father God. Someone, are, someone is looking for answers. Someone is confused on their next steps. I pray that you meet them right there in the gap. I pray they will recognize your love and your grace and they will cling to that what is true. We just thank you for us uh, gathering today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, I have the privilege of launching our new series simply called Counterfeit. And what do I mean by counterfeit? As you guys say, keep it real. I want to talk about keeping it real this morning. I want to talk about not being fake. Because the truth is, you can't hide from an all-knowing God. So the question is, I wanna start with this morning is how are you gonna approach this text today? I'm gonna to tell you up front, I'm gonna challenge you. I wanna challenge you because I wanna see where do you stand when it comes in the things of God? When, when, when we think about uh, counterfeit, we wanna focus on identifying what is real. In order to identify what is real, you must look out for the things that are fake. There's this phrase that's been going around for the last three or four years called fake news. You know what fake news is. It's, it's this approach to no one tells the truth. And, and one of the pastors, we were talking and discussing this topic and he, he looked up the word fake news. And this is the definition that we found. Fake news is news which contains some form of dishonesty typically to promote a political agenda. Now there are various ways that this can be expressed and one of those ways is the person just lies. They say one thing in the morning, by afternoon they're changed a tune, by the next day it's a whole new story, fake news. Another way they express this is through lying by omission. Well, I really didn't lie I just didn't tell the whole story. And they force you and I to come with our own conclusions and they actually might be wrong. Another way this is expressed is line by structure. What I mean by that, you watch the news and it's 15 seconds before the news is over and they throw a new topic at you. And you get in, you lean into it and then it's off, it goes to commercial. They do that because they want you to form your own opinion, because they want you to somewhat go into this narrative of you have all the answers. This is another one, selective outrage. This expression deliberately reports on an event which supports a particular narrative while ignoring all the other events that's happening to bring it balance. This is the one that's really prevalent, if you will, in our society today, which is emotive appeal. What the person does is they pull you by your heartstrings, and they want you to get all emotionally involved. And it forces you to remove uh, all of the facts because now you're running on your own emotions. And I don't know about you, if I run on my own emotions, I'm in trouble. So what does the word of God has to say about keeping it real? How can we look at scripture to help us recognize what's true and what's fake? Because many of us have been wronged and handled a certain kind of a way. And we're skeptical about the legitimacy and the accuracy of information. So you go into a narrative half cocked because you're looking for Where is this person trying to get over on me? And these behaviors actually has infiltrated the church because now people just see the church as another institution. And it's a place where we can't get the truth either, so some say. That's why I love Sunrise Church, because we are a Bible-preaching church, and in here you're going to hear the Word of God. Because there's so many different opinions out there, so where should you focus your thoughts? I was talking to one of the pastors last week or the week before, and every Wednesday he goes to one of our local high schools and he mentors some of the students there. And as he sat around a group of 12 or 13 boys, one of the students asked him, how do you know all this is real? How do you even know Jesus exists? Am I just supposed to take what you say at face value? So the pastor being smart, he answered a question with a question. He said, how do you know Paris is real? He said, well, I can Google Paris and I can see the videos, I can see the photos and bam, there's Paris. Then the pastor stretched him some more and said, well, you know, videos and pictures can be altered. How do you truly know that Paris exists if you've never been there? Then another student said, well, I know Paris is real because my friend's been there, and he has a picture from Paris, and he's actually in the picture. So the pastor took that and said, that's exactly what Jesus did and the the apostles around him. These individuals walk with Jesus Scribe things about him so that you and I could have a clear picture on the awesomeness and the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That caused a student to lean in to the conversation. But what do you think? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe that this is the way to truth? Or are you kind of on the fence? How do you know it's real? How do you know it's not fake? For example, those who work in the banking system, they're trained to identify fake bills versus real bills, currency. When they get hired at the institution, they put them through this rigorous training. And when they take them through this training, They don't focus on the things that are fake. They focus on the things that are real. So they begin to teach them how money looks, how it feels, how it smells. Because if you can understand the reality of this realness, then you will be aware of the fakeness, just as in the Word of God. When you get into the Word of God and you read it, you dissect it, you embrace it, you will recognize its trueness. This is the only document that can help you with your life. But the question is, is do you believe it? So this is how I wanna approach this series. I'm gonna give you, uh, I'm gonna lay the foundations, if you will, we're gonna spend another four weeks in this series. So this is going to be a five-week series. This is what I want you to do. I want you to read the book of James. That's what we're going to be in this entire month. I want you to read the book of James over and over and over and over again. I want you to read it in different translations. Why? Because I want you to see and feel the heartbeat of the writer while he was communicating to the people of that time. Then I want you to extract the truths from the Word of God and see how you can apply it to your life. That's going to be your homework assignment because I just don't want to be up here teaching if you're not going to put it into action. We're not going to go verse by verse. We're going to go chapter by chapter. And I want you to pull God's Word out of that. So, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 1. This is where we're going to rest. This is where we're going to pitch our tent today because I want you to understand how this book can help you. Let me give you some background. The book of James was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. He's writing from experience because he did not believe that his own brother was the son of God. James is a pillar in the community. He is high ranking in the, the church of the time. He's writing to a people group who are scattered about. They're scattered because persecution has taken hold. Peter preaches first sermon in Acts chapter 2. The church grew from 120 to 3,000 people. Now, that's a mega church. how it grows in one day. So now the word of God is spreading. Uh, everything is going great. Everything is moving. However, when you grow and people see you grow, you're going to have haters. Uh-huh. If you don't have haters, I said it before, you're not gifted. So if you have haters, you need to welcome your haters and thank them because they let you know that God is doing something in your life. So with that being said, what's happening here is the church is spreading. Everything is going uh, bonkers, but now the religious leaders, the Jews, are very upset because now the way or this movement is wrecking up shop. And In Acts 1, it says this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Prison. They didn't know how to respond to this movement. So what they do, they begin to take men, women, threw them in jail because they thought this is the only way that we can stop this movement. But that didn't shrink it. That made it go further because now you have ordinary men and women going further out, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts 11:19 describes it like this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. But some of them however, remained from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Despite persecution, despite odds against them, the church still grew. And not just for Jews, now it says that now the Gentiles are being touched. So here it is, the blood of Jesus Christ covers all nationalities because he wants us to be one group under Christ. Then it says in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Now, this isn't the same James who wrote the book. This is a different James. However, now it's getting, uh, the tension is starting to get a little tight now. Because now it's not just ordinary people getting arrested. Now it's Peter, one of the apostles. So if you can imagine back then, if you was in this movement, ordinary people getting arrested, great, okay, I'm still with you, Jesus. (laughs) But now you've taken the one who preached the first sermon. I don't know if you've ever been there where you've been in a spot that got so hot that you just wanted to throw up your hands and give up. Maybe you said, I'm walking with you so much, Jesus, and I'm all in. No matter what happens, then cancer takes hold of your body. And after going through the treatments and all of those things, now you healed from cancer. Now you go on moving about your life and now you have Alzheimer's. And then you stand there and say, okay, God, I'm all in. Next thing you know, your spouse passes away. Your children get on drugs. You lost your job. You lost your home. Can you still thank and worship Jesus despite all of that? And what the book of James is saying, I don't care what you're going through, God is enough. And you must trust him and believe that he is the one. And he will save you and give you not just a new start, a better start. So my question to you this morning, are you real? Are you fake? (laughs) Are you real? Are you counterfeit? Do you act one way in the church? And then you go home and act a totally different way. You act okay at home, but then you get to work and you act a totally different way. Are you a chameleon? Or are you real? I'm going to step on toes this morning. Amen. So we're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 2. And we're going to unpack this because God has some amazing words on how we can endure if we don't give up. Verse 2 says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything the reason why you and I go through things because he's trying to mature us. He wants to take us from glory to glory. He wants us to continue to raise the banner of Jesus and move in the power and the grace of him. But in order to do that, verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all you do. Is it possible the reason your faith is shaken because you're double-minded? You believe God one day, you don't the next. You're for Jesus one week and you're for yourself the next week. And you're wondering why your life is spiraling out of control and you're being tossed to and fro by the wind because you have no balance. And what James is telling to the people, I know it's hard out there. I know you're trying to figure things out, but you just can't intake everything. You got to stand for something. And why not stand on him? Verse 9 says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Now, 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 James is not being hard on the rich. What he's saying is there's some things that your richness can't get you out of. Uh uh If you have a disease, you can't pay for that. But he's also saying for those who have nothing, who are poor, he's saying just because you're poor, don't use it as an excuse not to serve me. Because if you're going to approach God, whether you're rich or poor, it has to be by faith because you can't buy your way into heaven and you can't beg your way into heaven either. You're going to have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And he's willing to save those who listen. But for all this to happen, this is the verse I want you to lean in on. Verse 12. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We're all gonna leave here one day. What you put your faith in and who you put your faith in is gonna make all the difference in the world. And what the Bible says is if you hold on, despite your circumstances, at the end of this life, you will have a crown. But you don't have to have glory then, you can also have it now. You just have to trust and believe that God sent his son Jesus And if you believe in him, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that moves in you. But the question is, if you find yourself in a battle, you should embrace it. So in this chapter 1, James is talking about the perseverance and the endurance of following Jesus Christ. And when you commit to following him, you must understand you will be tested. How do you respond in challenges? How do you remain focused in the midst of storms? But most importantly, how do you stand with the joy while you're under pressure? That's what I want to talk about this morning. How do you face the challenges in life? Do you still, walk up with, do you still wake up with a smile on your face? Or do you walk around complaining? And when you complain, all you're doing is promoting the devil. But when you say, despite what's happening, I shall not be moved. My mother used to say, this too shall pass. And I want to encourage you, what you're going through will also pass. So to answer these questions, I want to take some biblical truths on how we can handle these testings. So how do we distinguish a real Christian from a fake one? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A real Christian perseveres regardless of adversity. I know that sounds harsh, but you want me to keep it real. A real Christian perseveres. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you strive for perfection. It means you're not giving in. It means you're still trusting and knowing that God is going to do something in your life. You know, the world is being thrown all kinds of curveballs. If you're watching the news, it appears that it's flood after flood. The first flood or first hurricane happened in Puerto Rico where many people were disheveled and thrown out of their homes and they're trying to recover and figure it out. Now you have the same hurricane that's happening in Florida. These people are now uprooted, trying to find places to sit and live and get water and all those things. A couple of months ago, you had the issue of the water up in Jackson, Mississippi. There, because of a hurricane, the water got broke. uh, The the, the, um, um, hurricane broke a, a water system. And that's the water that's now happening for 160,000 people in Mississippi. It goes on and on. You still have the, the war in Ukraine. People getting displaced, women, children, elderly are trying to just run to the border because they just want a little peace. But yet they're caught in this chaos. And here in California, I don't know when the last time I seen rain, It came for a couple, but now we're in this drought and it's a crisis. And now it's affecting everything. It's affecting crops. It's affecting jobs. It's affecting the prices in the grocery stores. And what's happening in the world has some way to affect us. I don't know if you feel like you're just in this drought and your soul is thirsty because of what's happening. I don't know if you're in some kind of battle or struggle and you feels like you're drowning in water. I don't know what's in front of you, but what I do know, we can lean on the word of God and see what's going on. How are you handling these trials? How are you handling your trials? Financially, are you stable? Are you trusting God? situationally, what's going on in your personal life? What's happening physically or mentally? Are you on a break of a stressness where you just cannot get your footing and you're just tired? You're emotionally spent, you're mentally drained, and you're battling depression, and you're just on the verge to giving up. How are you doing in this season of your life? In the midst of this, James says in verse 12 again, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. God has a promise for you and it's a promise to make you better, not bitter. But you and I must walk in cadence with him. We must trust and believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In order for that to happen, there's some things we must do. And James says that in verse 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The problem, possibly, while you and I are going through issues because we don't want to humble ourselves. We want to take the reins and do life how we want to do life. He said, humbly accept the word, not words. Many of us are not accepting the word of God because we're listening to too many words, too many voices. We're entertaining too many things. And because we're trying to do this and that, now our brain is scrambled and we're trying to figure out how do I navigate But how can I do that when I'm listening to too many voices? And these voices penetrate our mind, and now you and I become double-minded. What are you saying, Pastor? Many of us are taking other people's playbook, and we're trying to use these different playbooks for our own life. You're trying to take the playbook from the reality shows, Kardashians. You want to take the playbook from Housewives of LA, Housewives of Orange County. And you want to listen to those words, you want to try to apply them to your life, but the reality is they crazy. That's the reality. And if you take that information, you're gonna be crazy because you're not meant to consume any of that. Many of you are watching CNN and you're watching Fox News taking all that stuff in. But are you vetting it with the word of God? Many of you listening to your cousins in them. Every cousin has something that can help you. You're trying to work on your marriage, but it's the cousin that's divorced. And he's trying to tell you how to work it out. But if he would have followed his own advice, then maybe he should be married. We're listening to all of these voices. But are you lining them up with the word of God? And if you don't, you're not going to be able to persevere in anything. I love how the Hebrew writer says it. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for he who promised is faithful. We just sung that song about faithfulness. God won't put you out there if he doesn't cover you. But the question is, is it a test? Or is it a challenge? Despite what it is, he wants you to be faithful because he's faithful. And a real Christian perseveres through adversity. That's number one. Number two is this. A real Christian recognizes personal weaknesses. The reason why many of us are broken because we don't want to admit that we're broken. We don't want to admit that we're weak. We want to blame everybody for our problems but instead of blaming the one who actually calls and made the decisions. Look at James 1 verse 13. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Here it is, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. James gives this imagery, if you play around with sin, you already fail. He said, sin is just like a woman about to have a baby. You touch it. It begins to grow. You begin to think about it. Before you know it, you committed the act. So what he's saying is you should identify your weaknesses. You know your weaknesses. You know what kind of gets you. You know the carrot that the devil dangles in front of you. You know what entices you. The question is, are you being honest with yourself? Because God knows. So instead of running from him, run to him. Verse 22 says this in James 1, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and does not do it, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. When you're going through trials, you must begin to ask the honest questions. Why am I going through this? Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this season? Am I in this trial because of my choices or did you allow this trial to test me? You have to begin to ask these questions from God because it's there in his word where you get all the things you need. But what's interesting about this culture today is we love the mirror. We love to see ourselves in the mirror, but we don't want to be honest when we look into the mirror. We love to take pictures of ourselves. You get your iPhone out, and and, and you take the picture. And and when you see the picture, you don't like what you see. So then you go to the filter app. Amen. And, And then you change the color of your hair. And then you change your eye. And then you want to put texture in the background, so you put stars around you. And then you change the background. And then once you see all that, now you like the picture, now you post it. You post it on Facebook. Uh Uh-huh, you post it on TikTok. You post it on Instagram. The truth is, that's not real. That's fake. It's counterfeit. So the question is, why are you do it? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> why do you do it? How about if we look at God's word the same way and ask, God, I'm tired of being fake. Help me to be the person that's real. It says in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The reason why we're broken or possibly the reason why we're going through trials, because we're not honest with ourselves. And we blame everybody, including God, when we don't want to be honest with our weaknesses. My question to you now is, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see someone who has been beat down by poor choices? Do you see a little boy crying in a grown man's body because you didn't get the attention from your father? Do you see a little teenage girl who was abused and taken advantage of, and now you're hiding behind lipstick and mascara? What do you see when you look in the mirror? And are you willing, really honest to come to God? Because this is what Jesus said in Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He's invited us in for a conversation. He wants you to put it all out there. He wants you to trust and believe. And if you put it at his feet, He will commune with you, he will talk with you, he will clean you out, clean you up. But you gotta be honest, a real Christian perseveres in adversity. A real Christian handles and deals with weaknesses. But here's the third one, you need to lean in on this one. A real Christian follows Jesus at all cost. Following Christ is gonna cost you something some say it costs me everything. But that's not true because if you have Jesus, you have everything. He's just trying to clean your life up a little bit. But this is where the rubber meets the road. This is when you get that tension between spirit and flesh. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. How do I recognize a new Christian or a real Christian? He or she works on himself, while at the same time helping those in need. The two greatest commandments, love God, love people. That's how you can express if you're a real Christian or not. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. Hear me, it doesn't mean that. It means you're striving for perfection. and You're not making excuses saying the devil know what gets me. God knows me. If, if he knew me, he wouldn't have put that in front of me. No, how about you just keep your hands to yourself and look forward when you drive the car. God loves you. And he wants you to stand for the fight. And that's what James was telling the people. I need you to tighten your boots and stand firm. Fight for what is true. In the chaos of all this world, God wants us to fight for what is true. He wants us to fight for our families. He wants us to fight for peace. He wants us to fight for our minds. But most important, he wants you to fight for your life. Because when you do that, God to take care of the rest. Where are you at this morning? Are you struggling? Do you have one foot in and one foot out? Are you off balance? Are you trying to find balance? My question is, who are you listening to? Are you gonna chase Jesus at all cost? Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 16 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Are you in a relationship with Jesus? And if not, man, you need to have a conversation because nothing is ever going to work if you don't put him first. Not your mother, not your children, not your husband, not your wife, not your boss. It's never going to work if you don't put Jesus first. And that's the first ones I want to talk to. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to help you in this area. I want to give you the ingredients to help you have a blessed life. Here at Sunrise Church, we call it the ABCs of coming to Christ. We do it every week. A stands for you must admit that you're a sinner. I know you don't like those words. You must admit that you're a sinner. (laughs) You must admit that you can't figure it out. You must boldly and humbly come before the throne of grace and say, I need help. An alcoholic or someone who's addicted to drugs don't get a better day without first admitting that they got a problem. You must admit that you got a problem. There's only one person who can help you, and that's Jesus Christ. You must believe that God sent Jesus just for you. It's personal. But then the third ingredient is simply this. You must commit. You must commit to follow him all the way, even when you don't know the outcome. You must trust and believe that He is God. He's a rewarder for those who diligently seeks Him. Don't give up on your life. If this is you, I want you to do this prayer with me. I want you to silently pray in your heart. If we can just all bow our heads, close our eyes. If this is you, and you know it's you, how about you keep it real this morning? Say, Lord, I'm broken. I need help I need assistance I trust and believe that you sent Jesus Christ just for me and I gladly accept him into my heart today I'm going to change my life starting today I thank you and I love you for this gift of freedom in Jesus name I pray amen
0: Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I wanna encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve, or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by some time and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.